0: Thanks for joining us today for the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast, a place where trauma, hardship, and challenge meet faith and hope for the future. Here is your host, Jill Riley.
1: Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. Season three has arrived. I am so excited to share with you this season, new guests, new topics, and some great conversations. So tune in every week on Fridays. We will have a new episode. Also this season, we will celebrate our hundredth episode. So stay tuned for that. Just happens to fall on my birthday, October 28th. So we will have a big celebration. Thank you so much for joining us. And here's today's guest. Welcome to Post dramatic Faith. This is Jill Riley on season three. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. And today I'm also pleased to have April Eberling here. April, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's so awesome to have you with us. How is life in Louisiana today? We're hot and muggy. (laughs) Hot and muggy. Uh, Isn't it kind of muggy like nine
0: months out of the year down there you know you're right yes it is (laughs) Um, it just seems unusually wet right now we've just had series of thunderstorms that just don't seem to be going away so So how long have you lived there well a long time (laughs) I know that that shouldn't be a hard question but I was born and raised in Vicksburg Mississippi and then we moved to this area when I was 16 So I finished out my high school here. Then I went to North Louisiana for college and then joined the military. So I was away for a little while, but then I got stationed back in New Orleans. So I've kind of been here my whole adult life basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was
1: lucky, fortunate that you got uh, stationed close to home. My kids are stationed way
0: far away. (laughs) Yeah. I, I joke that, you know, the or at least the tagline used to be for the Navy, like join the Navy, see the world. And I was like, "Mm, join the Navy, get stationed back in your hometown. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't what I thought it would be. (laughs) Uh,
1: It was, it was worked out for the best, but certainly not what,
0: not what I thought. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, about your family. Do you have a
0: partner, kids, cats, dogs? I have a husband and we have a four-year-old son. Oh fun. Um, And it's, we did have some dogs. They, they moved on to heaven and we're, we're hopefully going to be getting another one soon. I I'm ready. My husband's sort of still putting me off. So
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So four-year-olds are kind of in between the three majors and the five-year-olds who know everything. Uh, So, yeah.
0: (laughs) so is he there yet? It is such a tough time right now. I will say um We adopted him as an embryo, and so mm-hmm. I, I got to be pregnant with our adopted child, which is so cool. And every year on his birthday, I send an update to his genetic family so that they can see how he's grown and all that he's doing and everything. And every year it's just such a joy to reminisce and share with them how amazing it's been. And I will say <laughs> that this year, on his fourth birthday, I was like, it's been difficult. <laughs> there, there obviously were some amazing things, but that three-year-old to four-year-old year was really a challenge. And now we're just a few months into him being four. And I I, I don't think it's getting any easier.
1: <laughs> oh, it, it does though. But you know, it's funny, I was talking to a friend recently and she says I just want you to put on your shoes. I don't want to argue about it. I don't want to talk about
0: it. I don't want to have a discussion. Just put on your shoes. Every day, every single day. That's the thing. I'm like, I turn to my husband often and I'm like, we have the same rules. Like every day we're very consistent. He knows what to expect. Like we're doing all the things that are on that that parenting chart that everybody seems to think is amazing. And it still doesn't work. (laughs) Well, hang
1: hang in there mama eventually they thank grow you. up and they uh they become human.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, he does obviously we have joyful moments but it's just man. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's taxing. It's taxing to be sure. Yeah, our kids are 26, 24, 22 and 20 and we have one grandbaby so Aww. I I feel I feel old. <laughs>
0: I'm excited about those days. I will say
1: yes, yes. It's very, it's very fun. So you were raised in a military family, is that
0: correct? No, actually, no. Okay, so it was a, it was a sort of out of left field (laughs) when I joined. Um, I had some during my college years, during undergrad, um, the family that I grew up in uh, no longer wanted me back. And so that that's a story maybe we can get into in a little bit but suffice it to say that when i was finishing college i did not have a home to go back to you know like most people might have like a safety net of like if i don't get a job or whatever i'll just hang out at home until i get a job i did not have that luxury and so i was graduating with a vocal performance degree and i thought well i wonder what i'm going to do with this <laughs> it just never right. occurred to me what i was going to do i was I was so sure that that degree was where, where I was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do, that it just never occurred to me to have a plan for what happens after that. And so I went on Yahoo jobs, you know, looking for God's will for my life, (laughs) 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 Who, who is hiring vocalists and the, there was a, um, a cruise line that was hiring and the Navy band was hiring. And I didn't have a car and the Navy recruiting office was within walking distance. So that made my decision for me. (laughs) And I walked to the recruiting office and I went through the audition process and I was accepted into the Navy band. And so two days after graduating college, I went to boot camp. Wow. Yeah. So it was a surprise to everyone. And, and I was very ill prepared
1: for all things military.
0: (laughs) so even the musicians go through butte camp huh yes
1: yes we do interesting interesting so um how long were you in the navy then four years four years
0: and did you enjoy your time oh my gosh i loved it it is the best job for a single person like while you're single and if you can get a job that you love like for me it was a dream they were paying me to sing and travel and you know, it was, it was genuinely amazing. What were some of the coolest places
1: you got to go to?
0: Well, I, as I mentioned, I was stationed here in new Orleans. And so we did every year, we did multiple Mardi Gras parades, which is a big deal. Um, and so that was always a lot of fun, but then traveling wise, we got to do a lot of concerts along the Gulf coast and we would go to like NASCAR races and, um, there was a ship christening that the then first lady Laura Bush attended, and so I got to you know play music for her. Um, so there was a lot of really like standout moments. I will say though, I was I was stationed here during Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. and that was a really it was a time where I felt really powerless because I was in the military, but I was a musician in the military. and so I thought like, They don't really need me right now. You know, what they need are people who can get in helicopters and rescue people from the roofs of their houses and that sort of thing. Um, And I will say it was in that time that I first realized how healing music can be, Mm -hmm. because we would show up and do what we could do, which was bring music, bring light, bring a little bit of um, entertainment to a just really dark time. Um, And we would just like set up in parking lots or set up on the side of the road sometimes and just do what we could. And it was really, it was genuinely amazing to see like how these people were exhausted and then could become inspired at least for a moment while we were there. And, And that was really the beginning of, for me, just realizing like, I know music has been a healing thing for me personally, but then to see it in impact people on a larger scale was really, uh, that really stuck with me for sure. Yeah. That's really,
1: that's really powerful. Um, so tell me, are there more than one
0: Navy band and yes. choir? Are,
1: so, cause you talked about being stationed in the Southeast. So mm-hmm. are there ones in different regions then?
0: Yes. And I may not have the exact number, but when I was in, I believe there were 11 and the, okay. Called- I was in a fleet band. And so the fleet bands are stationed around the U S and then there are some overseas as well. And then there are premier bands and those are all in the DC area. And those bands are ones that do like things for presidential, you know, balls or, or military honor, things like that
1: interesting interesting I've never talked to anybody who's done that so there's not
0: a lot of us so it's yeah. to. it's honestly like when I went to that recruiting office years ago to say hey I want to audition for this to be in the navy band the recruiter didn't even know that there wasn't a, a navy band he was like you, you've made that up and I said no no it's really it's a job <laughs>
1: They need to update his his recruiting profile. Right, right. <laughs> That's funny. So, tell me a little bit about about your family growing up. I know that there have been some struggles there, and uh, has caused a great deal of grief in your life. Um, tell me a little bit about that, would you?
0: Sure, sure. So, I grew up. Uh, my family, mom and dad, and then I was the oldest of three. I have a younger brother and sister, and we, like I mentioned, we st- started out in Vicksburg, Mississippi, um, and we're at church all the time. And I actually, I've been listening to some of your podcast episodes. So I know we, we share that similarity yes, that you, yes. you also grew up like that. Um, so on paper, of course, it looked like we were the picture perfect family and yet at home, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just didn't know enough to know that it was abuse, really, honestly, like, I just didn't know any different. And so I just kind of figured everybody was living this way. Um, And then when we moved to the New Orleans area, I started to, to hang out in other people's houses, you know, like have friends where I would just spend some time at their houses. And I was starting to realize like, oh, this is like very different than the environment at my house. And then I went away to college and my roommates would have these like really short phone conversations with their parents, just checking in maybe two or three times a week. And then they would just be living their life. And I was required to have these hours-long conversations and sort of report in about everything I was doing. And it was just a very controlling. It's Mm. I started to realize like, oh, this isn't normal. Like I, I am actually. this is, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, unfortunately, that was the beginning of the end of the relationship that I, uh, that I had with my birth parents, with my family of origin. Um, And it wasn't really just one big thing. You know, I I can't point to like, oh, it was this one event. And then that was it." it. It was just a lot of me starting to form my own relationship with God and starting to learn about grace and starting to realize that Jesus loved me and I didn't have to earn that love. And I mean, what an amazing gift that was. I mean, I genuinely was like, I was coming alive in my faith because Mm -hmm. I was finally having a personal relationship. And while that is so exciting and healthy and nourishing, it meant the demise of the relationship that I had with my family, which was so devastating. Very. Um, so it was, was sort of that best of times, worst of times. Uh, I me mean, right. I genuinely f- feel that way about, about that time.
1: What was it about, um, the way that they practiced faith that ran contradictory to how you became, how you came to understand faith?
0: The way I was raised and the way that I was taught and not, and not even necessarily in the churches we were attending, but just in our household, Mm -hmm. um, was very controlling, very like, um, using scripture as a way of telling me how wrong I was as a weapon. Yeah. Yes. As a weapon. Exactly. Um, it it was just, I was never good enough ever.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I, man, I tried. I really did. And it it just breaks your heart, you know?
1: Yeah, it does. You know, I uh, I too was raised in a in a highly abusive home and and it really wasn't until um I, I didn't be able to differentiate that until like you, I was in other people's homes and I yeah. thought, well maybe, maybe they all explode after I leave, or maybe, yes, they maybe yes. they all beat their kids after we're not around and nobody says anything. Or, you right. know, that, that was the the thought process until all of a sudden I was like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. You know, after mm-hmm. I was, um you know, traveled with them some and different things. And I thought, I don't, I don't think this is right. And so it begins this kind of compare contrast thing in your mind where you're like, all right, is what I'm, is what I'm experiencing really what it should be? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so even though you were raised in the church, you had this very dichotomous relationship between um, how the family was and then how life in the church was, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's, the, the, the God I was learning about at church was not necessarily the God that was holding me accountable at home. <laughs> right. And right. so it wasn't until, like I mentioned, until I got to college that I was able to sort of form my own faith and my own personal relationship with God and began to really flourish in my faith. Uh, but that meant that my family of origin no longer had control over me because they were no longer able to use God as like this weapon. Right. Well, and
1: it takes, um, it takes some brain switch, does it not, to change the image of God that you have that you form as a child from being an authoritative dictator kind of God emulated by your parents, then to be a, a grace-filled, loving, forgiving God that we understand
0: in the scripture. It takes exactly. it takes a bit of a brain hop, doesn't it? Definitely. It does, it feels like your whole everything's turned upside down in the best way. Mm -hmm. But it's still like, you're still like, uh, I described it once in the counseling as like, oh, now all the, all the books have fallen off the bookshelf. And now I have to figure out how to put them back up again, or if I even want them back up, you know what I mean? Like, it's like all your your whole belief system is just down on the floor and you got to like figure out, oh, what now, what am I going to adopt as my own and where am I going to put that? you know?
1: Right. So how did you begin to build that backup? How, how did you begin to discover what um, was true about God for you?
0: Well, I mentioned at the end of college that I joined the military and Mm -hmm. that was a very convenient excuse for me to not attend church regularly because I was traveling and I had this like amazing life, right? It's just like, I became very independent Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a necessary time. Like I look back on it and think like, this was textbook. I just needed to, you know, come into my own, take a time Um, out. Yeah. 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 And so I, I like to say I was never mad at God, but I had a real big problem with people (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, um, because as I mentioned, you know, my, we grew up in the church. And so my family was like really highly respected in the church And so when I was kicked out of the family, then the members of the church were asking questions like, oh, what, what happened to April? How come she's not coming home for Christmas or Easter or summer, you know, like, where did she go basically? And my family uh, at first lied about, you know, said I was on mission trips and things. And then when people would ask me about it, like, oh, April, how was that? mission trip or whatever I, I would tell the truth which was oh that I wasn't on a mission trip I wasn't allowed to come home and so I ended up working at a camp for the summer or you know things like mm-hmm. that and so these church members would just like they just stopped talking to me because it was inconvenient for them to go against what the party line was like um, and so actually there were like all kind of rumors in our hometown about what had happened to me. And like people had manufactured stories of horrible things I must have done. And they, it was just really bizarre. And so again, I wasn't mad at God, but I was like, yeah, I don't really feel like I need to be in a church right now. Cause those people haven't really been reliable. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I just drifted away and had a great time in the Navy, wonderful uh, experience. And as my time was coming to a, a close as I was about to get out. Um, my now husband and I were dating and we were talking about getting engaged and getting married. And, and I said, well, you know, when we get married, well, we can just get married in a reception hall. We will just find somewhere where we want to have our reception. And then we'll just use it as our ceremony space as well. And my husband who did not grow up in the church <laughs> says, well, no, marriage is a big commitment. I don't want to make that in a reception hall. I want to make that in a church. I was like, "Well, I did not see that coming." <laughs> um, so I said, "Well, I mean, if we're going to get married in a church, I don't want it to just be any church. I want it to be a church that we actually go to. Like, I, right. I don't want to just be renting out a church for the sake of having a church." And then he said, "Well, then I guess we need to start going to church." It's like we really backed into that decision like it was That's not like a, funny. it was it's looking back hilarious so at the time he had bought a townhouse in the town where we live now and he just started you know looking on google maps for what church is the closest because you know that was a priority for him <laughs> not having to go very far so we went to the closest church to visit one sunday we get there and he looks around. And he sees a man that he works with, and I'll just go ahead and call him out now, Bill Green. He saw Bill Green. And he was like, oh, Bill Green goes here? Like, he's really smart. If Bill Green goes here, we go here. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> hey, if we, we have not heard a note song. We have not heard a, a, a word preached. We have like zero idea. And and Mike was like, oh, no, I mean, Bill Green's the smartest man. If he goes here, then this is a great church. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. Oh, so, That's where we and still to this day, it's the church that we go to. Um, it And it is it was an excellent is an excellent church and, and was an excellent choice. But it was hilarious that that's how the decision was made.
1: That's um, really funny. Yeah. So, how did um, we had a conversation? Um Um, earlier. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I wrote down was the song, our God saves. And how did that song speak to you? What, what did that song mean to you?
0: So I ended up after I got out of the Navy, I ended up becoming the music director at that church. And I am getting chills now Mm -hmm. because this story is so powerful. So um, I mentioned I was no longer a part of my family of origin. I had gotten married and I had been adopted into um, a family that my roommate in college had had a front row seat to all the dysfunction as I was, you know, processing out of my family and her family adopted me and Mm -hmm. said, come home. Like she was often the one that was like, come home with me, come spend Christmas with us. Like it, and it was really, when I walked into her family's home, it originally in college, it was like, oh, I just need a place to crash. You know, you use that language of like, can I just like crash at your house for a few weeks or whatever? And so originally that's what I thought I was doing. And when I walked into their house, I could feel that it was a home, that it was, Mm -hmm. oh, this is like a place I can land. Like, I don't have to just be here for a minute and leave. Like I am safe here and I belong. And so that is such a powerful feeling. And the whole time though, they were so kind and generous and welcoming to me. But the whole time I had like one foot out the door because I was always hoping that my original family would come back for me, that they would understand the error of their ways, or they would say, you know what, we can just agree to disagree about our faith. You know, I was just constantly looking for a way to still have a relationship with them. Right. Right. So all of that is going on in the background and I'm the music director at our church and it is Mother's Day, which is just the most painful holiday Absolutely. When, you, when you have just this broken relationship with your family of origin. So I'm leading the song, our God saves up, up front and I'm doing the music director thing and I got my hand in the air and I'm singing, our God saves, our God saves. And in my mind, I'm having a conversation with God and I'm saying, well, you didn't save me. I mean, look at this, look Mm. at this mess. My, my, I I actually don't even know where my family of origin lives anymore. They moved away. They refused to tell me where they were going. Like just what a mess. You didn't save me. Our God saves our God saves. And I felt very strongly. God say to me, I did save you do you really want that? Is that really where you want to be? And I, I knew then that I had not been accepting God's best for me. Like he Mm. had brought this family provided for you. Yes. Yes. And I just felt so strongly that God was saying like, when will you accept this gift? I gave you a healthy family that loves you. Like, what more do you want? I was so convicted in that moment. And that afternoon we went over to my uh, adopted family's house and I apologized to my, to my mom, my adopted mom. And I said, I am so sorry because I've been holding out on you this whole time. I've been like, well, I love you, but if, if my original family comes back, like they are my number one. And I. I just realized then that God's best is not necessarily what you think it's going to be or what, Mm -hmm. like what people tell you it's supposed to be right. Um, This whole, you were born into this family. And so that's the family you're supposed to have is like it, it not when it's abusive, it, it genuinely is not okay. And so I was so thankful to have that realization and that my adopted family had loved me through it
1: mm-hmm.
0: because for years i had i had been part of their family but hadn't really fully engaged with that and so right. that moment all in exactly and that moment allowed me to be
1: all in with them you know it's um it's a hard process to go through when you realize that the family that you thought they were and the family that you hoped they would be is not who they actually are. And that separation, that, um, that denial and separation and, and angst that goes with that is very, very difficult. And I think until you've been, been through it, um, it's hard to understand the hope that you hold out for, um, for things that, um, yeah, it's just hard, hard to, Mm -hmm. hard to put in towards and to quantify, but it is difficult. I have lived, I have walked that road for sure, but isn't it amazing how, um, how God provides what we need in spite Mm -hmm. of what we think we need.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Well, and then I would like to say that, that, that was a lesson that I learned and then didn't have to learn again. Um, but as happens, you know, you sort of fall back into old patterns. And I had written this story in my head about how, you know, my husband and I are married and, um, we love each other very much. And we you know been married a few years. And so, okay, now it's time to have kids, right? So we're going to start, we're going to start having kids. And then that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen the way it's quote unquote supposed to not the way we always thought it would not the mm-hmm. way, you know, this isn't what, what it was going to look like. Right. Um, and it took us years to let go of that dream and that vision of what we had always thought having Mm -hmm. kids was going to look like, and then embrace and get excited about adoption and the embryos that we were able to, um, that were gifted to us through adoption and that, Mm. and this, beautiful son that we have now, like it's, it's a wonderful, wouldn't have it any other way story of how we built our family. And yet it took us years to accept it. Like yet again, I, I had written this story about the way I thought it was going to be. And I, I just needed to lay that down so that I could be gifted the amazing miracle of, of how our family is supposed to be. Right,
1: right. Yeah, that is, um, that is beautiful. So
0: what is April Sings A Lot? Well, that is the business that I formed after I got out of the military. I, as I mentioned, was able to lead music post Katrina in these devastated communities and saw what an impact music was making. And then later as music director for our church for many years, I was seeing the impact that music is making. And I really wanted to reach people beyond the church walls, right? I I wanted music to be able to make an impact in people's lives, no matter where they were. Like, Mm -hmm. even if if church is not your thing, um, or coming into, you know, any kind of a like performance arena is is not for you, then I still wanted that impact of music to to be available. Right. And specifically singing. So I know a lot of us listen to music and like enjoy hearing others sing, but I am more and more passionate about the power that your voice has to heal you. So the Mm -hmm. impact of you hearing your own voice singing is so powerful. And so I've developed this practice of singing as well as tapping. So I've incorporated emotional freedom technique, which is a, mm-hmm. an acupressure. I know you, you, you've uh, used it before, correct? Yeah. Have you used it? Okay. So it's a, it's a technique that uses our fingertips to tap on acupressure points of our bodies. It allows us to calm down that fight or flight response it allows us to let go of negative energy and emotions that we're holding on to. Um, and so combining that with the power of singing, which helps us to raise our vibrational energy and really engages all of our body, um, right. it's, it's a very healing practice. And it's something that you can do anywhere, like no special no special equipment needed. Um, and so that has become my passion project and something that I share and, and I'm able to share online. So, you know, it, it's great. accessible no matter where you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how do people find out more about, um, about
0: April sings a lot? Well, my email or email, on my website is aprilsingsalot.com. And I actually have a gift for your listeners at aprilsingsalot.com slash faith. And so that would, uh, that'll allow you to access some free videos about it. I'm also on social media at April sings a lot in all of the places. I'm most active on Instagram and YouTube, but you can find me anywhere.
1: That's great. That's great. So last question, what do you most want people to know and to remember from this conversation about your life? To let go of the way you think that things should be Mm -hmm. and embrace what God's best is. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, April, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. And I just, um, I just love your spirit and I love your story. And I'm just so glad that God has redeemed those, those parts in you and those places in you that, um, that the enemy had destined for, for evil. So I'm just so thankful for your life.
0: Amen. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can find Jill at jillriley.com on Facebook at jillriley.author, Twitter at jill Author, and Instagram at jillriley.author. Also, feel free to send Jill an email at jill at JillRiley.org. Thanks for listening in and have a great day.